Hold on a second. Hi. You want in? Are you just going to stand at the door or you going to come in? Okay. Come on. Take one. Come on. Either in or out. In or out. Okay, you're going to stay out? Okay. Hello, everybody. Today is August 28th, and this is Joe for Astronauts Anonymous. Today is going to be a little different than normal. We are not really doing the normal podcast. It's actually just me tonight. I want to do a little something extra, though, for everybody, so we can actually get some content out this week. I know we're pretty slow with it. Podcasts haven't really been coming out as normal when they do come out, and articles have been starting to slip. So instead of waiting for the biggest problem trying to do the podcast and everything is trying to get everybody together and finding a time when we can do it. So instead of just doing a regular podcast, on the weeks that I can't, I am going to try to do something like this. It's just going to be a little bit shorter, and it's just going to be me speaking. Also, I want to try and start getting more articles out. I know I've been slacking on that. I've just been super busy and everything lately, so I hope to start getting back on that and everything and start providing everybody with more content for here. Um, That being said, the reason I've been super busy, actually, has been because Gen Con was this last weekend. For those of you who don't know, Gen Con is the yearly board gaming convention, the biggest in North America. I believe it actually might be the biggest in the world. At least this last weekend was. It was Gen Con's 50th anniversary. They opened up Lucas Oil Stadium. It was a huge event. I believe that they counted at 50,000 people. Don't 100% quote me on that, but that's what I believe it was, something around there. So yeah, the biggest year they've ever had and just a great time as always. I know we haven't really talked too much about it, in these podcasts at all, but me and my other friends, we are giant board game nerds. So D&D, miniatures, I just bought this weekend, well, technically last weekend during Gen Con, I picked up Arkham Horror, the card game. Now, I played Arkham Horror and Eldritch Horror a couple times. They're pretty good games. I've always loved Lovecraftian themes, Eldritch Horror, that kind of stuff, uh, Cthulhu Mythos. So, even though I only played a couple times the other Fantasy Flight Arkham games and everything, I still enjoyed them for what they were. A little long-winded for my taste, but enjoyable. Just mostly because of the aesthetic. That is not the case with Arkham Horror the Card Game. I legitimately love Arkham Horror the Card Game. It is a it's a deck builder game. I bought the course set and the first expansion uh the dunwich dunwich legacy which obviously is based off of the dunwich book from lovecraft himself great great story if you haven't read it but definitely you should read it if you get a chance to so yeah it's a deck building game where you basically everybody has their own investigator you search for clues the decks actually have an ongoing campaign so you move from story to story you keep the same characters you can actually level up your decks the way it's built and it's there's a lot of potential for things to happen and in true lovecraftian fashion things get really dicey really quickly in that game when you least expect it 
So yeah, this game will not go easy on you. It will challenge you. Even on standard, I had a hard time trying to keep up with it. I can't imagine. I know there's people that do tournaments with it, and they do it on hard mode and everything, and I just can't even uh, imagine that right now. Uh, hopefully I'll get there. Hopefully I will. That being said, I also picked up the Expanse board game from WizKids. Now, I love the Expanse. I've read all the books. I've read most of the short stories. I am. Uh, I still need to read Strange Dogs. And I am in the middle of Vital Abyss. But I, I love the TV show. Season 1 was amazing. Season 2, it, it was it was pretty good still. Uh, I hope they pick it back up, Season 3 and all that stuff. But still, I absolutely love The Expanse. So the second I heard that this board game was going to come out, I needed to get it. So the very first thing, I got into Gen Con right away. 10 o'clock on Thursday when they opened up the doors, immediately went to the WizKids booth, picked up their last copy. They sold out that fast. So, I'm going around. I'm playing. I'm just enjoying the show, enjoying Gen Con, doing my thing. And at the end of the day, a friend of mine comes up and he's like, hey, let's play the game. They were about to close the dealer hall. So, we get a table, unwrap it, getting all excited, Start getting the pieces out. Realize the entire OPA faction is missing from this. So, yeah, needless to say, I was not happy. I went to WizKids the next day when they opened up again. They were sold out, so they couldn't replace it. Uh, they didn't have any parts to replace. I, I, was a, I won't lie, I was half tempted to just say, hey, you have a demo copy over there? Give me the pieces from that. But I would have ruined everybody else's fun if I did that, so I refrained from doing that. But also the biggest problem is that they gave me an email address to ask for the replacements. I get a reply back saying that since the game isn't officially out yet, they don't know when they'll be able to get me the pieces. So even though I bought it early access at Gen Con, it's looking like I'm going to have to wait until October when the game officially comes out. That is Arya. Hi, Arya. You want to say hi? She's not used to me doing this in this room here. I'm, I'm not recording like normal in the basement with everybody else. So, yeah, she, she's curious what's going on. But, yeah, so it's looking like I'm not going to be able to play it until October when the game officially re releases. Which, that's that's un, that's a little disappointing. I If I can find somebody else to play with me, I'm sure I can probably get the two-player to work with the, with the cubes and everything that I have. Uh, in fact, it is just cubes that's missing. I could replace it myself, but, you know, I paid $50 for it. I want my $50 worth. I'm not going to spend more money to give me the game that I should have gotten for my money. But, you know, it's a principal thing. So I might get around to playing it before then if I can get some pieces or if I can just get a friend that we can we can figure it out how to work it without all the pieces. It didn't look really that that would be that difficult for two players. Anything more than that, yes. I think I can make it work for two players, though. That being said and everything, though, other than that, Gen Con was great. Got to see some friends, made some new friends. Just overall, great time. And... Our good friend of the show, Squeaks, did me a very good solid, and she got me an interview with Brian C.P. Steele. So now, those of you that don't know who Brian is, he is the one of the lead designers for a miniatures game called Dark Age. 
Now, I'm not huge in miniatures myself. I don't really play them because I know myself. If I started playing them, uh, I would be their best customer and I would be poorer than I already am. So, yeah, I stay away from miniatures, like, as much as I possibly can, just because my wallet thanks me for that. Actually, my wallet already hates me, so I, I gotta keep it a little bit happy. But, yeah, other than, so at the end of this episode, I'm going to actually post that here, and... I hope you guys enjoy it. He's a really great guy. It was one of the first interviews I've had outside of interviewing Squeak herself. And so, yeah, I, I hope you guys enjoy it. If you're into Dark Age, you know, it, it should be a really fun interview. If you're not into Dark Age and you're just into game design in general, though, I think you'll enjoy it. So, yeah, like I said, he's, he's a lot of fun. And I, I hope he is listening to this and I hope he comes on the show again. And yeah. So, let's move on. Outside of Gen Con, what's been going on? So, actually, the same weekend as Gen Con, Defenders came out. Now, I, I'm going to probably try and write a actual article reviewing Defenders. But here's my base opinion on Defenders. It's good. It's not great. But it's good. It gives you exactly kind of what you're wanting. It's the accumulation of all the other Defender character shows. You know, Iron Fist, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, Daredevil. Very, very light in story. They kind of went the Avengers movie, first movie route, where it, it had bare minimum, here's how they meet up kind of thing. And then just the rest of it was action, 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 a little bit of story thrown in as to why everything's happening. So because of that, it, it was good if you just wanted to see fun action and everything like that and see the characters that are around. I have to say I love Sigourney Weaver. She was wasted in this show. Completely wasted. She, she played a main plot character who did next to nothing. To move the plot forward. She was just there as a figurehead, basically. But I'm glad they got her. That, that's some star power you can definitely use. Not that Marvel Studios really needs more star power at this point. But, you know, hey, anytime you can nab Sigourney Weaver. Nab Sigourney Weaver. Apparently I can't say her name. Weaver. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I really enjoyed it. Good fights. Jessica's great as always. They... They kind of under underutilized Daredevil. Like, he was there to explain some of the stuff with the hand and explain things with Elektra. But that that's what he was there for. That's it. And then, of course, he's the best fighter because Iron Fist is their only other good fighter. And, well, we all saw how the fights in Iron Fist were. That being said, they improved on that. Finn Jones, he's he's been doing a little bit of training. You can tell. And it, it shows, and I'm so thankful for that. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't amazing. It wasn't, like, Tony Jaw-level action or The Raid or anything like that. But it was tolerable. It wasn't just the quick cut after every punch that we saw in Iron Fist. One thing I was really worried about, though, in this show was, speaking of Iron Fist, was his relationship with Luke Cage. Now, those that don't know the comics, Luke Cage and Iron Fist, they are best friends. In fact, 
he Danny is the godfather to their to him and Jessica's child, Luke's and Jessica's child. And they start a business together, Heroes for Hire, which they keep kind of alluding to happening in the show, but not really. But just the way they played off Danny and the way they played off Luke in their own shows, I had a hard time trying to picture how they were going to be friends. But they handled that excellently in the show. I have to say that. Mike Holder and Finn Jones, they had some chemistry. It was it was a little bit of animosity and building an under, toward building an understanding with each other. And they started seeing each other's point of view a little bit. And they would laugh a little bit based off of it. So it was it was really well done. And the first real team up fight that you see in there is with Luke Cage and Iron Fist, and it is it is great. I'm not gonna spoil it for you. Just whenever you get to the boardroom, just wait for it, and it is it's really good. So yeah, overall, Defenders did exactly what it needed to do. I think it didn't do more than what people were expecting which is a little disappointing. You know, that's always the, the goal. You want to surprise people and make people go, holy shit, this is an amazing show. But, you know, it, it gave you exactly what you were expecting instead of exceeding your expectations. So, again, liked it a lot, really enjoyed it, could have been better. Other than that, what I also have been up to is I got the new... I got Uncharted The Lost Legacy. Now, I am a huge Uncharted fan. I've played all the games. I've read the comic. I've, I have the book. I've even, I even borrowed a PS Vita from a friend of mine at the time and bought a copy of Golden Abyss. I still own a copy of Golden Abyss, and I don't have any way to play it. But yeah, so I, of course, when Lost Legacy came out, it's a cheaper version. 40 bucks. Put it down immediately. Played it over the weekend, and if you like Uncharted, you will like Lost Legacy. Now, is it the best in the series? By far, no. Definitely not. But, you know, you're paying $40 for it. So, expect quality of around the first and third, which in my opinion are the worst of the main four. Uh, not as bad as Golden Abyss. Golden Abyss is great for being a mobile game, but, you know, it's it, it's good for being a mobile game, which is saying something. A mobile action game. There's plenty of there's plenty of good mobile games, but not good action mobile games. So, it, my ranking for it is really tenuous because it really kind of depends on my feelings at the time, but generally 2 and 4 are the very top 2, and then 3 and 1... I still love them, but they're a little lower. So Lost Legacy, it's around where 3 and 1 are, but it is about Uncharted 1's length. So it's only about 10 hours, which is why I was able to play it over the weekend, which is also why it's good that it was only $40. But in this one, you play as Chloe Frazier, as the main character. I know some people really don't like Chloe, some people love Chloe, but in this, she's more of just... A regular character, which is good in Uncharted 2. She was the sex symbol, definitely. They, they didn't really play that up in any way. So that, I think that was a good thing. And she teams up with Nadine Ross from Uncharted 4. So 
Nadine, she was technically a bad guy, but she was a mercenary. She was just, just in it for the money, so it makes sense that they team up. My biggest problem with it, though, was, speaking of their reasoning, was they didn't really give a reason why she sought out Nadine, Nadine Ross. You're just supposed to go with it because, hey, she knows about Drake, I guess, and she is a mercenary who's really good at her job. So why not? She's a good candidate to help me with this treasure hunt. So because of that, and because of that, they tried to build up a little bit of animosity between them two. They're just two people doing a job who happen to be working together, and it builds toward a friendship. Now the building toward a friendship, a partnership kind of thing was really good. I really enjoyed that, but there was no. It, it felt like you were starting in the middle. All the other Uncharted's, they, you started with Sully, you started with Flynn and Chloe, uh, you, and, you know, different things. And they build up that relationship. Like, even in the first one, yeah, you can tell that him and Sully have a partnership. But it lets you spend some time with just them at the beginning. Yeah, there's a little bit of action with him and Elena and Sully and all that stuff. But it's, it's kind of a slow build after that first little bit of, uh, of action. And that was really well done. Lost Legacy doesn't really do that. I kept expecting it to do a flashback scene and let me see how they got into that position. It never does that. Which, which again, that's, that's not bad. It's not awful because, again, it's a $40 game and it's only 10 hours, so it's a, it's, you're looking for a quicker pick-me-up kind of thing. So it's fine. It was a little disappointing, but it was it's perfectly fine. If you are an Uncharted fan, I highly recommend picking this up. Now, if you're just looking for another game to play or whatever, you can probably get Uncharted 2 for like 20 bucks. Pick that up. Play that. Uh, you can probably actually get the entire first three games in the Nathan Drake Collection on PS4 for 40 bucks. Do that instead. Um, and if you really want, if you enjoy those, play Uncharted 4 because it is phenomenal. But yeah, so that, that's Uncharted Lost Legacy. If Again, if you enjoy Uncharted, you'll enjoy this. Which, I love Uncharted, so I really enjoy this. And of course, it's full of Easter eggs, full of callbacks, things like that. Like any good Uncharted is. Uh, other than that, I also downloaded Telltale Batman. Uh, I've been playing that. I'm on episode... F I just beat episode 3 the other day. It's really... If you like the Telltale games... You'll definitely enjoy these. And now, of course, I can understand people getting tired of the Telltale uh, formula because everybody knows kind of what you're going to do and kind of how the game plays out. Not your cup of tea, you know, It's that's fine. But if you like those games and if you like Batman, which who doesn't like Batman nowadays, it's it's a fun adventure. It's, it's pretty good. It's one of their better ones. But yeah, still, hopefully I will be beating that shortly by the end of the week here. And I'll let you know how it goes. Now, that being said, I do want to talk about new content for Astronauts Anonymous. Like I said, I want to start. I want to start writing more often. I want to start doing these individual podcasts with just me more often because trying to herd the cats together is an insane task, and that's why the podcast airs so infrequently. Hoping to start getting in more often, but you know how it goes whenever you're first starting out. 
So at least I will give you guys of this. I'll give you my weekly update at the very least. Try and get some more articles out there for you. I am working on actually getting a website together so it is not just the Facebook page and the YouTube page. So I, I hope to get that going. It looks good and you guys can enjoy it. Let me know what you guys think. Let me know if you guys have any ideas, anything you want me to do for this channel, anything you think would work well with us. Um, I could use as much ideas as, as possible here. Um, one idea that we had is actually um, I am going to be running my first D&D campaign. This, starting this next Sunday, I will be playing with four friends of mine. Ryan, who you guys know from uh, the first few shows, and a couple other people that you guys... Uh, Nat, who you guys know from the Race in Media episode. And then two other friends, who I think this will be really fun so our plan is to start recording those and i hope you guys enjoy them so hopefully we can get some good content out of that uh, that being said i'm going to wrap this up i thank you guys for listening i will leave you to the brian cp steel interview today we actually have a special guest this is going to be kind of a short little interview i have we have Brian C. Steele. So Brian is a designer for different games, most notably, especially lately, is Dark Age. So for other people and everything out there, and people like me, I, I've seen Dark Age, but what exactly is Dark Age? It is a sci-fi skirmish miniatures game in the 28-millimeter scale. Some of our models can throw on the 30-millimeter scale, but generally speaking, you know, most people recognize 28s when they look at it, but they're in the minis. It's the reason why that's mentioned is because for people who for people who might be into miniature war games, especially old historicals, a lot of them are a much smaller scale, like 15 to 15 to 10, all the way down to things like 6. Mm. And that means your average 6-foot person is that tall on the, on the battlefield for, for someone who is unaware of so, Dark Age is basically a, a tale of a planet that kind of got put through the ringer, and the people left over on this uh, you know, horrible, hellish place have tried to find various ways to survive, and it has caused lots of problems between factions and things therein, and the end is almost always conflict. So, it is a, it is a miniatures game based around those conflicts. So it's kind of a Mad Max high technology kind of hybrid thing. There, there are several factions. One of which is extremely Mad Max, and there's a there are a handful of others that you might you might recognize some of the influence from other side other sci-fi and pop culture icons. Some of the greats. We've got one faction that's all bio, you know, one hundred percent biological. So it's a bunch of these bioweapons and these horrible things that come out of the swamp and try to eat you. There's another faction that is uh, robots that run on meat. Uh, so if you've ever seen the movie Virus, mixed very heavily with like the, the AI aspect of Terminator, that's another one of the factions. And then, of course, we've got cannibal mutant freaks that have decided to survive in the wastelands by eating others. It's, it, it runs the gamut. The game's been around a long time but we only recently really kind of revolutionized it to bring it to a wider audience. 
Yeah, I've seen some of the guys, uh, some of the figures that you guys have, and they're really amazing. I I don't play miniatures myself simply because I know myself, and I would probably be your best customer, and that's not good for my wallet. Um, but yeah, I've seen some of the figures. You guys do some great work. I'm gonna for people watching this on the YouTube channel, uh, you should be seeing some of the figures right now. I'm gonna put them up. But you yourself, then, how long have you been doing game designing? Well, I started. I started doing just in gaming as a playtester way back in the late 1990s, 19, late 1990s, early 2000s. I did some playtesting for some different games, so I wouldn't call myself a designer so much as just kind of an enthusiast at the time. You know, the guy who's doing stuff for free stuff. And in 2003 kind of bridged that gap and moved over and started getting into the writing aspects of things with War Machine Prime. Uh, the very first War Machine Miniatures book was my first professional publication. From there forward, I just never really looked back. I've, I've always considered myself more of a writer than a designer until recent, in, until the last couple of years. I spent six years at a role-playing game company writing and designing rules for them. And then now that I'm at CMON, I'm at Cool When You're Not, only, I would say in the last two years is where I really picked up and started doing some some heavy miniature design, where I took over the management of the line, and now I'm doing just as much back-end stuff as the actual creation of the game. So, it's been a long time coming. You know, I've been a gamer forever, and now I get to hopefully make stuff that will make other people into gamers forever. <laughs> yes, which we all enjoy. There can always be more gamers. We all appreciate having other people to play with. So, that being said and everything, so you've been doing this for a while and everything. You did mention some pop culture icons and stuff that you, you draw inspiration from. Is is that generally where you get your inspiration from? Or how do you come up with a lot of these figures? Because, again, a lot of them look really, really awesome. So, I've been both blessed and cursed with a freakishly vivid imagination. And like, on Amazon, I'll sleep about six hours a night <laughs> because of you know various dreams. And sometimes I'll wake up and be like, oh, I've got to write that down. It's, I consume fictional media like nobody's business. My, my home studio here, I've got three screens going, two for, two for work, and then one is a constant feed of Hulu or Amazon or Netflix, or it's just a, a constant, I, I watch probably on average three to four movies a day, and then, or unless I get caught up in a, you know, caught up in a binge watch or something of some kind of series. <laughs> but either way, it's just, it's a constant feed of ideas, and occasionally something will pop up and I'll be like, oh man, I've got to, I've got to remember this particular instance or this particular, you know, like I'll watch some stupid, you know, D grade sci-fi movie and, you know, the, the bounty hunter from the stars will have this really cool, like knife thing on his elbows. And I'll be like, all right, write that down. Knife thing on elbows. And in a future, you know, a model six months later might, someone might go, man, that dude's got this really cool elbow knife thing. Hunter from the stars. <laughs> uh, so I, I try my best not to take direct ripoffs, you know, and, and try to even stay away from homages. But inspiration comes from absolutely anywhere. I was watching this stupid dad. I'm, I'm a very, I'm an emo dad. I always have been. You know, ever since my kid was born, you know, the smallest, tiniest thing will make me go, "Oh man, I'm dying." I was watching some sappy emo, depressing dad movie the other day and something happened and it reminded me of interactions between two characters that I haven't written in probably 
two books for Dark Age, and I'm like, oh, hey, in the next book, I want an interaction kind of like that. Like, it was just one of those, it was, a, it was a little spark of thing, and I'm always, if you saw my desk, it's covered in note cards. I don't do post-it notes, and I very rarely <laughs> do electronic note-keeping. I've got post-it, or I've got little index cards with scribbles on them. Sometimes it makes sense. Sometimes it's a word that hopefully will remind me of something <laughs> in the future. Um, there, I would probably say 20% of the time I'll find one of these notes and I'll go to, like, I'll, I'll pick it up and go, I have absolutely no idea what this is. You know, and it just gets filed and maybe that will come up in the future and I'll remember. But yeah, it's, uh, my, my brain is, my brain's not wired like most folk. Uh, and I bring it in from all, all stimuli, it gets transferred at some point into an idea. That's really awesome. That That's cool, because I, I know I'm a big fan of uh, Cool Mini or not, and I've seen some of the other stuff, especially the more recent Zombicide versions, have a lot of homages, which is really great. But it's cool that you come up with the ideas that are taken inspiration, but they're not, like you said, blatant rip-offs, but you still make, you make them your own thing. It's... So being a gamer, and any minis gamer that is listening to your show, they, they've they seen it a thousand times before. You know, Games Workshop has awesome products that have been around for 30 years, but you can point out, you know, this particular character and go, oh, that's Rambo. Yeah. You know, like, the, like there's a, oh, oh, that guy? Yeah, that's Rambo. Oh, this guy over here? That's Jean-Claude that, that's Jean Van Damme. I mean, like, you, you, you know it because it is just so on the nose. And How many Bruce Lees can we see? <laughs> I mean, Street Fighter took, took him, what, three times? <laughs> Uh, you know, I I do my best to hide those things, and I want people to go. I would much rather have a player say, "Man, if you really liked the new Alien movie, I bet you probably like this new Brute Sub Faction." Not, "Hey, have you seen the new Brute Sub Faction? Totally Alien ripoff." You know, like that's. I don't <laughs> want. I, I would rather that not that be the exchange. Yeah, that, I think it's working out for you guys too. Because again, like I, I've seen what you guys have and I know some other people that are really into your guys' products and it's paying off, I think. So that being said, speaking of your products, I you guys we just did Gen Con. I'm gonna be doing some reporting on Gen Con here at the beginning of this podcast and everything for this week's episode. But you guys just recently came out with some new product, correct? Yeah, my line in, in particular, uh, Gen Con was the launch point for I mentioned those uh mutant cannibal freaks earlier. Mm-hmm. They got their own faction faction book and their brand new models because that faction's actually been around for 10 years, 10, 12 years in one form or another. And a lot of those models were kind of old and haggard and definitely model technology, the, the, the tech that we use to create the miniatures, the uh, skills and techniques the painters used to make them look pretty, all of that stuff has come a long way. I would say in the last five years it's come a long way. And we launched this new Scarred book, that's the name of the faction, the Scarred, and we wanted to accompany them with a kind of a rejuvenation of the line. So we also released a whole bunch of new resculpted miniatures, and if sales are any indicator, they seem to go over pretty well. Gen Con was a madhouse. I mean, it always is very, very busy, but... <laughs> this um, year was insane. This year was nuts. This year was absolutely nuts, and we, we did very, very well at the booth. A lot of that had to do with we, we got some new management in our company and one of our new new people above the chain is a new event coordinator and she designed the layout of the booth specifically to give me 
Uh, well, I'm sure there was other reasons, but as far as I'm concerned, selfishly, specifically, <laughs> um, I had my own little section of the booth dedicated to miniatures. And so, unlike in years past, where you know the, the sales line kind of gets mingled in between products, you've got people that don't want to wait, you know, half an hour in line for a fifty-dollar box of miniatures amidst a sea of board gamers, and vice versa. You know, the board gamers don't really care to come in and take a look at my, you know, can you take a look at this really cool new horrible cannibal. You know, they they they're there for their blood rage. They're there for their zombie side. I might get there's a little cross pollination, but generally speaking. All that did was kind of hinder us both. And mm. the new Accord, they, they designed the, uh, the booth really, really well. So I had my own little corner, my own little section, my own little sales desk. And it definitely paid off. Not And not just in numbers, it paid off in exposure. It paid off in ease. The number of my uh, the, the number of fans and players that came in and were like, I'm looking for this, and I can just turn around and hand them right there and not be like, okay, here's the product. Go wait in line for half an hour to check out. That was, it smart. was It was awesome. It was, it was absolutely awesome. I'm definitely glad that worked out for you guys. You guys, it sounds like you guys deserve it. Um, that being said and everything, so the new product, is it officially out or was it Gen Con exclusive? So it was, uh, it is officially out. It's on our web store. I've been, at least in the last year or so, I do my best not to do very heavy pre-sale because that hurts the retailers in my opinion. The, the retailers, if all of their fans can go to Gen Con and pick up, you know, pick up the new releases, and then they, they have no reason to go back to their stores and buy mm-hmm. it from them. And, you know, yeah, we love conventions because we have tournaments and events and everything's awesome. But in all honesty, out in the stores, those are the trenches. You know, those are yeah. those are where the war is actually being fought, so to speak. And I want those stores to be happy. And I want, I want a store owner to be able to walk up to my booth and say, I just ordered those, and I can let them know that they're on the way. You know, they're they're in transit. They should be on your doorstep by the time you get back after the show. That's really uh, great, you guys. I, I really, just as a gamer myself, I really appreciate that. Well, I know that there are a lot of, uh, especially with you know some of the smaller game lines and ones that don't have quite have the market penetration that others do. It's it's a very big deal to have a store support you. Mm-hmm. And. In our last year or so, we've signed on so many more retail accounts because we've stopped doing the, you know, okay, we do two show, two big shows a year, and at these shows, we sell the next six months' worth of product. Because it, it does, it, it, you know, it kind of stings the retailer, and they, they get a little grumpy at it, and then, you know, if, if the guy who owns your retail shop doesn't like your product for one reason or another, he's probably not going to carry it. Yeah. Whether, whether or not it's a good seller, you know, if there's a big enough chip on their shoulder, and that's not something you want to deal with. So retailers make us happy. <laughs> and you definitely want to keep the retailers happy. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So um, with all that and everything, go ahead and show the product a little bit. How much is it to pick up? So the main Dark Age rulebook, which we actually, I think we only have like a couple of dozen left in the warehouse. I had, I had order, I, earlier this week, I had to order a reprint, which is good. We, had, we, went, through a, we went through our first printing. The main rulebook, if you want it in physical form, it's on the website. It's twenty bucks. It's called the Dark Age 2017 Master Rules. The scarred book is forty dollars, and we've got we've got a lot of those still in the warehouse. The, the various boxes, various miniature boxes, range anywhere from like twenty dollars all the way up to like sixty or seventy, based on how many minis are in it. Also, if you get like this big giant monster, he's probably going to be more expensive than you know two little guys. Yeah. And plus, you get a little bit of bragging rights for having the bigger monster. 
Absolutely. <laughs> and it, 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 we, we mentioned, I mentioned the physical book. If you don't want a physical copy of the rules, we actually, for for the gamers out there, especially people who aren't sure if they want to buy in, we put all of our rules on our website for free. Oh, that's excellent. That's really nice of you guys. Yeah, so that way it, it, people can try them out. They can decide whether or not they like the game, whether or not they're interested. I mean, it's obvious we are a miniature producing company. The miniatures are what we want to try and get people to buy. The books are nice. The rules are nice. But they're really a vehicle for people to mm-hmm. enjoy these literally little pieces of art that we're, we're trying to sell some on a hobby, not just mm-hmm. you know, a cool set. Uh, that's that's really great of you guys. I think you guys are doing a great job. I've seen more and more of your product, and again, like I said, I know you guys definitely do have some fans out there that I personally know even. So, that being said, uh, do you have anything else left that you want to say to anybody that's thinking about possibly trying to do, get into miniatures or anything that's somebody's thinking about getting into game design? So, as far as the going, like, just getting into miniatures themselves... There are so many games out there. There are a lot of games out now that range anywhere from you know the, the smallest of skirmish levels where you've got three or four guys, like the Harry Potter miniatures game from Night Models in Spain, all the way up to mass combat games like Warhammer 40k or uh, Age of Sigmar where you've got 60, 70, 80 guys to a side. There's a huge, there's a huge market. There's a lot of you know, there's a variance in between. That what I would say is that. You go to like go to Google Images, surf around, find something that grabs your fancy, and then see whether or not it's something. You know, you, there's Facebook groups for everybody. Like, there's no no question. Facebook, Facebook has helped our industry dramatically because there's fan groups for every game out there, and you can find one of these fan groups. You join up and you just ask the simple question of, "Hey, I'm thinking about getting into this game. What's my opening price point? What you know, get a, get a feel for the community." Like, if you go on there and you ask them, the fan group, hey, I'm thinking about playing your new game, Bounty Hunters First Base, based off of the movie that Brian made up early, then you could, and then you're, the response that you get is everybody like, oh, welcome aboard, that's so cool, you'll love this game. Then you might have, that might be a good you know, way to get your feet wet. If your response is, uh, noob, don't show up at my tournament, then maybe move on. You know, because there, there are some communities out there that are less inviting. I will, uh, that's, that's probably the, the most... Uh, cordial way for me to put it. And we, we've all run into our toxic nerds a couple times. Yeah, and, and they, they pop up from time and time again, but every once in a while you'll find a community that really is uh, very warm and inviting, and you know, I, might, I, I know I'm biased here, but the, the Dark Age community actually is extremely friendly. Part of that comes from the fact that, like I said, the game's been around a long time, and it's been through several iterations, and frankly, it has almost died a couple of times where it got, it got, you know, sales were so diminished that a lot of people didn't think that it existed. And we've come back dramatically, which is awesome. But the people who have stuck it out the whole time, the guys who you talk to and they're like, yep, I used to play with the original Genesis book in 2003. Those people, they're so happy to be here and they're so happy to have new players and this new, you know, the new styles of the game that it, it, is an absolute it's every time I go to one of the shows where we've got a, a large presence it's like going to a barbecue you know these are all people that you know from your Facebook group you know I love seeing people get together that talk all the time online and so at the tournament you know, in my head I've got Florida playing New Jersey 
because I know where they are, where they're from, and they both come to Gen Con, they're playing each other, and they're having a blast, and then I know on Monday and Tuesday when they get back, the Facebook group is going to light up with them talking about the games, how things went, you know, it's, it is, it is awesome, and it's, with almost no exceptions, I have heard nothing but good things of our community from the fans, so... If, if you're even remotely interested in sci-fi, skirmish, board gaming, come check us out. Excellent. All right. Well, again, Brian, thank you for coming on to Astronauts Anonymous. And we hope to have you soon. Good luck uh, with the game making. Yeah, no problem. If, uh, if, you get, if you get a good response out of this and people have questions or anything, they can always follow me on Twitter. I'm at BrianCPSteel. I am constantly asking and answering. And if, uh, if anybody hits me up on Facebook, I'm a constant chatterer. So expect a long response. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Thank you again for coming on the show, Brian. Hey, thanks, man. Jamaican runner. Fair enough. That is actually a good way to distinguish yourself then. <laughs>